We are delighted to have my friend and colleague, Dr. Elizabeth McGrath, with us today. Elizabeth received her doctorate in nursing practice from Northeastern University. She is an advanced practice nurse in hematology oncology here at DHMC and is an active member of the Holistic Nursing Committee. Elizabeth has embraced holistic nursing theory and this serves as a foundation for her practice. Please join me in welcoming her this afternoon. Good afternoon. Can everyone hear me? Welcome, thank you for coming. Um, so today I'd like to talk about holistic uh, nursing theory and practice, and I challenge all of you to see how this resonates with uh, you. Most of you are nurses, but I think there is uh, people in the audience that also could, um, it would resonate with um, in their practice as well. And I'm going to actually talk a little bit about some of the work we're doing here at Dartmouth. Um, how do I get it to proceed? This? So I just want to talk a little bit about the definition of holistic nursing practice and describe some of the components of uh, holistic nursing practice, some elements of the nursing theory that surrounds it, and list some uh, examples of integrative uh, nursing um, therapies. I would like to take a moment just to have you listen to this description from the holistic nursing. Will that work, Judy? I've got this, the, um, it's on my screen, but I'm not a touch screen. Thank you. Seems so. Nursing to me means that uh, we look at a person 
not from a physical perspective, not from a mental perspective, and not simply from a spiritual perspective, but putting them together because that's the whole person. Holism in nursing is one of those things that you can truly do anywhere at any time because it's not a thing. It's a way of being and it's a state of mind. Holism means to me that each thing is a totality or complete within itself. And I believe each of us are perfect. We're divine, we're physical, we're emotional, we're mental, but we are complete. I usually tell people when they ask me what holistic nursing that it's really, we're looking at body, mind, and spirit. We're looking at the person assuming the responsibility of their health, but, but looking at all three areas, that if they're not well in one, then problems will show up in one of the other areas. The concept of holistic nursing is new to many practicing nurses, as a concept, it is not new. It is a concept that was born in, uh, in classical medicine, in the healing centers of Greek antiquity, certainly in the mid-1800s with Florence Nightingale. But what we have now is the rebirth, the emergence of the renaissance of a concept that is old. But what we're doing is coupling it with new ideas, with new technology, and with new vision. Modern holistic nursing embraces all aspects of nursing practice. Holistic nurses work in every setting, from acute care and hospice to home health and private practice. My main focus right now is clinical uh, nursing in a county hospital where I work in an OBGYN department with a very holistically oriented physician and we're creating a practice where holistic nursing practice and principles are being used. And what's different for me as a holistic nurse versus how I used to be is even as a psych nurse I was more focused on seeing what I could do, what it was that I could make a difference in. And now I'm realizing that I'm only there as a facilitator and that I'm really encouraging the client to learn about their own self-healing and their ability to be in control of their lives no matter what goes on with them. When a client comes in, um, usually what, I, what we determine first is what their needs are. And then from there we decide you know, what options might be best for them, what appeals to them the most, um, whether it's nutritional counseling or whether it's a combination of imagery and acupressure, um, what will help them to help themselves the most and what will be the most beneficial in terms of their participation in their uh, health journey. We explore together. I consider myself a guide on a journey. And I take time to really be with someone. I listen to them. I feel what they're feeling. But I also have learned techniques to distance myself so that I'm compassionate and caring. But I don't get so caught up in their scenario that I can't hear my own inner wisdom helping to guide them. People have developed many sophisticated defense maneuvers to not feel their pain. Part of my work is to help them to feel that, but to feel it in a place that's safe, to feel it in a place that nourishes them, and to understand that on the other side of the pain is great joy, and that they are their own healer. In our orthopedic practice, 
one thing I might do is work with somebody who has chronic pain for like rheumatoid arthritis or degenerative back disease or some other kind of thing where traditional medicine doesn't have a lot to offer. Surgery is not an option. Drugs are either overutilized or just also not an option or want to be, the person may want to withdraw from them and not be dependent on them. And, um, but still is dealing with a lot of pain and how to work with that, how to play with that, how to bring that into their life in such a way that it doesn't rob them of the quality, doesn't rob them of their pleasure. They regain some control. It doesn't control them, they control it. I really feel that holistic nurses um, are, are better at noticing how they can care for themselves as well as others. And part of nursing training really encourages nurses to almost sacrifice themselves for the benefit of patients. And that's tragic. And it's, it's also somewhat unconscious. So I think that bringing consciousness into what we do as nurses, that as healer we need to also be healed. It just gives you a framework of what some of the people in the um, um, society are really thinking about their practice. Um, holistic. So and when we talk about it and to try to define it, it's really there's a, phil a philosophy that surrounds it, and it's really talking about the parts are somewhat of a bigger whole, and we are all part of a bigger whole. And throughout your journey in holistic nursing and theory is you're trying to become more whole. As you become more whole through self-care, you become more resilient and you're much more of a facilitator of that healing process. That's really the basis of the philosophy. In medicine, we treat the whole person. So we look at the patient body, mind, and spirit. We look at social factors. So there's a lot of quality of life models that fit this very well. But that, you, you know, they're just not the physical um, symptoms of a disease. There's more to a patient in a holistic framework. So holistic nursing is really a way of thinking, reflecting, practicing, and being in the world. It's how we approach our practice. Uh, it's national, uh, the AHNA is a national organization, and it really is to unite nurses in healing. That is their motto. That is what they strive for in many of their educational sessions. Um, and it's really just a way to look at how is it that we can become uh, better healers. So the American Nurses Association recognized holistic nursing as a specialty in 2006, but that was after a couple of decades of work. Uh, Barbara Dossi started the... Um, uh, a holistic nursing association in um, I think 1971 and um, they took a decade just to come up with standards of care before the uh, ANA would recognize them. So they in conjunction with ANA along with their uh, philosophical finding uh, foundation came up with um, the standards of scope and standards of practice for holistic nursing. The, the standards provide a guidance for the nursing care, um, and it's just the, the guide to meet the, the definition of holistic nursing. And it's care that has enhancement of healing of the whole person from, death to, from birth to death as its goal. It's the relationship, interrelationship of biopsychosocial spiritual dimensions of that person. 
the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. And the whole is, is not just mind, body, spirit. The holism is, is encompassing our environment, um, um, our social systems, um, and we'll go into that a little bit in the theory. Um, the, also, holism says the individuals as a unitary whole is in mutual process with the environment, and holistic nursing looks at both of these tenets in their um, philosophy. We believe that the holistic nurse is an instrument of healing and facilitator. You heard many people talking about being a facilitator in a process. And I think the healing is um, the, the end point of the process. And we honor the subjective experience of our patients. We honor the subjective experience of ourselves as nurses and as healers, but we also bring that to the, the patient experience. And that in, involves you know, our beliefs about health, in our beliefs, in our values, in our daily lives. Also, holistic nursing requires that we integrate self-care, self-responsibility, spirituality, and reflection in our lives. And I think that is the um, charge to all of us. I, I don't know that I am very good at my self-care practices as good as I could be. Don't smile, Savon. Um, but I think that we can all learn from that, and I think that there are nurses who are expert that are better at that than some, and I would point to my colleague and friend Susan in the audience. She's very good at that. Um, so if, when you do that, what it does is it re leads to a greater awareness. So if you reflect on your practice and you reflect on how you've interacted with a patient in a certain situation or your colleagues or your environment, whatever it may be, you hope that you become more interconnected with yourself, with others, with nature. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the notion of transcendence, that we become more and more um, transcended through our growth. Standards of care have five um, uh, core values of practice. There's the holistic philosophy, theories, and ethics. There's holistic education and research. Uh, holistic self-care, which we touched on, communication, therapeutic environment, and cultural diversity, um, and the holistic caring process. And these are the tenets of the standards. So philosophy and education, there's a philosophical framework that embraces holism, and we have a commitment to education, reflection, and knowledge. The holistic uh, nursing theory and research, we believe our practice should be grounded in theory, but informed by research and bounded by ethical principles that guide our practice so that we're thoughtful and principled in our practice. Self-care, we have to engage in self-care to promote our own health and personal awareness and also be, to be able to help uh, patients who we are involved with in that healing process. Holistic communication, therapeutic environment, cultural competence. That gets back to you know Florence Nightingale. Who cannot love Florence Nightingale? Anybody ask you about theorists? Just always bring up Flo Jo. She'll get you places. And everybody can everybody can relate to Florence. You know she's just really um, very deep. Um, in our communication, we want to engage with our clients and we want to promote mutually determined goals for health. We're health promoters, that's what we do. And our decision about what the health promotion of a patient is not our decision, it's, it's in mutuality with the patient. And then there's the holistic caring process, which is where I think I live in most of my practice. 
Um, and it's just really looking at how do we look at our nursing care, our nursing assessments, to look at the client patterns, problems, and needs in the atmosphere of caring. If we approach our patients in an atmosphere of caring, we can go much further in our interventions. The five elements of holistic nursing practice, we need knowledge because we need it for necessary basic you know, nursing practice. It's essential for understanding health and disease states um, and the various regimens that we use to promote health um, and regain health. Um, theory, we need to have that to articulate, understand, and reflect on our practice. And this is um, human caring science, Jean Watson, if anyone is familiar with her um, theories. Um, and she, she, her whole theory is around the, the notion of caring and a caring relationship. But theory really gives that opportunity. That's where you can get the reflection. How am I embodying my, my belief system here in my practice? How did I reach that today? And then as you reflect, you become more aware and hopefully you have self-growth. Expertise. We need that to be able to do the things we do, right? We need to be able to have that knowledge base, but also how do we perform our skills? How do we make accurate assessments and know what the plan of care should be? So we all have to be experts. Intuition. Anybody here feel that they're intuitive? Any examples of intuition? I'll give you one. I had a patient who last week came in. He was very ill. He, there was a change. The LNA Ken said, I need you to come and help me with this patient. I need you to come see this patient right now. And the patient I had known, and he was a decreased level of consciousness. Um, he was weak. He had fallen. Um, he was very slow to respond. So what do I do? I look at various um, information, but my first thought is, this guy's in trouble. There's something going on. I know that I can't quite put my finger on it. And that's before I look at the vitals. It's before I look at the, um, you know, the physical exam. It's before I do all these other things because I'm taking in the whole sense. I know what's happened in the past. I know how he's presented before. So that's intuitive. I'm putting all those pieces together. And then I go to, you know, the, the physical findings because then I have to call someone to say, I need to admit this patient. I need to give them a physical um, in a, in a, a differential diagnosis and I need to be um, firm um, because I know he's in trouble and he needs um, immediate attention. And in fact, he then, um, I thought he was septic, uh, but in fact, he was developing pneumocystis pneumonia and ended up intubated in the ICU. But that's the intuition. Another example of intuition I'll give you is a personal experience. I was at a, um, a conference in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I was at the hotel and I was getting ready to leave and I had my um, leather backpack on my, just slung on my shoulder, and it was at the ATM. And I went to, from the ATM into the elevator, and my sense of the experience was there was a black smoke that followed me, and there was just this quick thing that came by me, and there was a man. And so I pressed my floor, and I said, where would you like to go? And he said, oh, that looks good. And I said, oh, boy. So I'm thinking, okay, what, what are my options? And as we sail by two, which is the next level that I should have got off, which is where the conference was, I kept going to eight, knowing full well I was in, I was in trouble here. So I'm thinking, okay, the, the, the women are out there in the, in the hallway the whole time, you know, cleaning, so I'm going to stop at the cart and say, may I talk to you? Nobody's in the hallway. <laughs> 
I go to my room, it's at the very end of the hall, and instead of going to my room, I went to the door next door and I knocked and said, hi honey, I'm back. And because I knew it was a fellow conference person, but I wanted him to think it was my husband. And what he did was he swooped around and went down the flight of stairs by me. So it was very intuitive that I knew I was in danger, right? And he was clearly following. He followed me right to my room. There was no other place for him to go. So it was just an example of you, we need to listen to ourselves. We know what's happening with our patients. We know ourselves. We know our environment. So that's just two examples. So as, you, as the slide says, told you so, sincerely, your intuition. Creativity is another thing that is required. We need to solve problems in, in creative ways, and we need to think about new ways of being with our patients. Um, it's very interesting. So when you do that, though, when you're trying to be creative, right, you're really putting yourself out there. So what is that? That's vulnerability. But if you think about it, vulnerability is really the key to authenticity. And that's what I'm talking about is we're meeting in an authentic manner. There's many holistic theories and models, and I won't bore you with all of them. I just think that it's important that we consider when we're talking about our practice that we do think about it in somewhat of a theoretical framework. There's not one that's better. There are some that are better to, de to discuss or to describe what we're actually doing, um, but it's just interesting or helpful, I think, to think about it in a theoretical framework. So there are grand theories which are broad and complex. There's middle range theories. They look at specific phenomenon um, and they reflect our practice. And descriptive theories are usually the first step to theory development. And then there are prescriptive theories and they address nursing interventions and predict their consequence. In holistic uh, nursing, Barbara Dossie was the founder and she um, has the theory of integral nursing. It is very um, heady. In nursing, we need to have a theory that, got, that defines our practice and guides our practice, but you have to understand that a lot of times we, we, we um, borrow from other disciplines. Um, the social sciences is, is, a, is a good example. Um, and in this case, um, she has uh, borrowed from uh, Ken Wilber, who uh, has a theory of integral um, not nursing it, there's integral business, there's integral, there's all sorts of, but there's a basis of in, in, integral um, theory that will describe um, that it's really, the world is open, it's dynamic, everything is interdependent, we're all interdependent, we are all one, um, it's a fluid environment, um, and we're always continually interacting and there's changing variables that lead to greater complexity and order. So we mentioned Florence. So she really was the modern uh, founder of modern secular nursing, and she was really first recognized as a nursing theorist, and she was an integralist. It's, an integralist is a person who focuses on the individual and the collective, the inner, the outer, the human and non-human concerns. She was known for her environmental theory, as she talked about, we have to control the environment in order to allow for healing. So that's one aspect of holism. It's founded on integral language and knowledge, and um, it really has the capacity to include all ways of knowing, and I'll talk a little bit about that in the, um, when we look at the theoretical model. 
but we want to bring everything together. Everything is linked, um, and we want to embrace uh, a sense of unity and diversity. It has, um, it's applicable in any context. It really talks about all human experience. So you can see holistic nursing being really something that can apply to any aspect of nursing, any subspecialty of nursing. Um, we are um, an instrument in the healing process, and we facilitate healing through our knowing, our doing, and our being. And that's from Barbara Dossie, who is the founder of holistic nursing. So some of the principles, we are whole systems. We're inseparable from our environment. We have the innate capacity for healing and well-being. And nature has the healing and restorative restorative properties that really contribute to our health and well-being. So where does healing come from? It comes from an Anglo-Saxon holon, meaning to be or to become whole, and defined as the emergence of a right relationship at one or more of the dimensions of uh, body, mind, or spirit of our human experience. So it's, uh, healing's a process. It's inherent in all living things. It can occur um, with curing of symptoms, but it's not synonymous with curing. So we can have healing in a whole nother realm. And we see that in our palliative care um, nursing, um, where we are really focused on uh, finding peace when there's incurable disease. So healing is always possible, and that's the tenant that we come from. Healing and growth for ourselves and our clients and their caregivers. So it's person-centered, it's relationship-based, it's informed by evidence, um, and um, we move from a least intensive sort of intervention to increasing complexity as the need arises. But you really want to start centered and with the patient. So let's talk a little bit about theory. So it's a, it's a comprehensive way to organize multiple phenomena. It embraces um, the aims of this theory um, embraces a unitary whole person um, and complexity of the patient, but also the healthcare system. It really talks about how we are looking at not only the relationship I have with my patient, but the relationship I have with my community and the relationship I have globally in terms of health promotion. So the theory of integral nursing has at its very core um, healing as its um, center. Um, and it's really, uh, it's a grand theory, it's uh, interactive, it's integrative, um, and it presents that art and science of nursing. So you have healing as the center, the nurse, and then your patients or persons, you know, the community, health, and then the environment and society. That's sort of the basis of where we come from. And then there are multiple ways of knowing. There's personal knowing, there's aesthetics, there's not knowing, there's empirics, social, political, and ethical knowing. So all those areas of knowing. And these are always developing, and they're always informing one another, just as it is with your patient, just as it is with society. So in this theory, they have um, quadrants um, where you're, again, the theoretical model, it's a model, so it's just something to help base your, or inform your uh, practice. But in, it's divided in four quadrants, and in the upper, um, upper left is I, which is subjective. So this deals with the person, or the 
qualitative, and down below is uh, we, which is intersubjective, it's cultural, it's our shared ideas or the ideas of other cultures. And on the other side, it's more the it, it's the objective, it's our biological, it's our, um, uh, you know, our vital signs, our, our hormonal status, all of those things. And then it's is more global, and it's interobjective, it's systems-based, and on the on one side, it's really more qualitative. On the other side, it's more quantitative. There's also the notion that we have in these quadrants, again, on the I, it's mind, body, spirit. On the um, we, it's more me, us, all of us. And on the top, it's just talking about how do we have changes in our health. And each one is built on the other. And then globally, it's we're, we're a group first, we're a nation second, and then we're global. So all three models sit on top of one another. Hence, why is a grand theory? So part of this theory talks about that self-care which we mentioned. And which really, it's, it's defined by the World Health Organization as what we do to ourselves to establish and maintain our health and prevent and deal with illness. So it talks about hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, environmental factors, socioeconomic factors, and self-medication. Um, and within this very broad definition here, you can see some of the practices that holism or holistic nursing embraces to try to help people um, may achieve that self-care. Because through self-care, we become more resilient and we become more effective. So what are some of the ways of, of being, doing, and knowing. Well, there's caring. We approach patients caring, caringly, but also with intentionality. What is my intention with this patient? And my intentionality, hopefully, will be that I will create a healing space. And then to do that, sometimes we refer to a sacred space, that we are treating that patient, we are meeting their divine soul, and we are greeting them with our divinity, if you will. And that doesn't mean it's religious or even spiritual, I'm talking really more transcendence. Sorry. Um, to create, and then we want to create um, caring and healing relationships with self and others, including our patients and our family and uh, colleagues. Um, you know, delivering therapies in, in warm and caring ways. This also, I hope, resonates to all of you because this is what we do. This is just to giving you another framework. Um, we, we do our work confidently and credibly. Um, and then we talk to the patient. What do they want to do? So the other day I'm in clinic and the patient really is very conflicted about what they want to do. I can tell you what the what the treatment will offer you. I can tell you what we think the outcome will be, but what is it that you want? And I have to meet that patient where they are at that moment and perhaps where the family is, right? So we bring in the families, we bring in the caregivers, we bring in everyone as we start discussing and making these decisions. We inform the patient, we teach the patient, incorporate reassurance, relaxation, anxiety reduction, obviously empathy and understanding, and touch. We're going to talk about that a little bit, Anna, because we believe that, in fact, we've, we've forgotten how to touch the patient because we've been so technologically removed. So just as we recognize mind, body, spirit, we also practice complementary alternative modalities. And I clearly am not an expert. 
Um, but there are things that we'll talk about that um, are available to patients within the hospital confines here um, and that patients can and families can avail themselves to. So increasingly we're seeing integrative health uh, merge and, and having all these complementary um, modalities available to patients and their families. So what is the difference between complementary, alternative, and integrative? Well, complementary is usually done together with conventional medical modalities. Alternative is usually in place of. So you would see the patient not with forego medical treatment for something alternative. And integrative, hopefully that's bringing the two together in a very coordinated way. And more and more you're seeing integrative health systems, integrative clinics that are trying to um, bridge that and coordinate that care for patients. So the National Institute of Health has the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health Care, and they categorize most of the complementary care as natural products or mind-body practices. 65 to 80% of the world's population will do something that was developed outside conventional allopathic medical treatment. Some of the statistics that we have um, and, uh, that say that 30% of adults um, practice, I'm not sure we really know that because I don't think we ask that. And, then, and about 12% of children will practice some integrative practice. This was in 2007 uh, by that um, association, and they asked the question in the last 12 months, what did you um, do as a complementary or alternative? Natural products were the highest, deep breathing, meditation, chiropractic, massage, yoga, diet, all things that I think we're all familiar with um, and people avail themselves all the time. I don't think sometimes people think about that in terms of their health. I think they think of it as just something that they do. Um, so I'm not sure we have a good handle on it. This was in 2012, the 10 most complementary um, uh, health approaches among adults. And here we see again natural products, 17%, deep breathing, yoga, tai chi, qigong. Yoga has come a long way. Yoga is very ubiquitous in our society right now. Um, meditation is used quite a lot, special diets, um, guided imagery. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm dating myself, but it used to be when I, I think, maybe what was it, the 70s or 80s? It was like the thing, man. And I think it's very helpful. Guided, I, I really find what's helpful actually now is it's more guided meditation. Um, it, it's a very helpful uh, modality to just help people to sort of center themselves. And 17% uh, um, of, of adults use a dietary supplement, or uh, use a, um, a supplement other than vitamins in the past year. And that's really important to know because that will interfere with some of our, our modalities, right? Chemotherapy, I give chemotherapy. Well, if the patient's on a handful of alternative um, supplements, you know, I need to know what the interaction might be so I can help educate them. Um, the most popular mind and body practices used by adults are deep breathing, yoga, the chiropractic, meditation, and massage. This survey looked at who's using it. Again, this is 2007, so it's a little old, but it was females and adults between the ages of 60 and uh, 30 and 69, people who are well-educated, adults who were not poor, avail themselves more, adults living in the West, and patients who were hospitalized within the last year. Again, I think 
more health-seeking, right? I've been uh, faced with an illness. Former smokers, which I found very surprising. Adolescents, 12, between 12 and 17 years. Children that are of uh, Caucasian descent and children whose parents used complementary therapy. Some of the therapies, in it, the, the, this is pages. Uh, I'm just uh, putting up just a few, but the ones that are highlighted are offered here at Dartmouth. Um, you come in through level four and you see chiropractic down at Heater Road is now available. We have acupuncture. It's more a medical acupuncture, but there's acupuncture in the um, community uh, massage. We have uh, patients who live within a half hour. We have free massage, and they'll go to the patient's home to give them a massage um, in the cancer center. Um, and we have a lot of patient um, services and all, a lot of these things, the um, yoga, massage, it's, it's offered through the cancer center. I found this interesting. In the Nurse Practice Act, there's no mention of the words holism or holistic as defined by recognizing this as a specialty. However, they do recognize that alternative therapies are something a registered nurse can do. I found that interesting where the ANA does support it. So talk just a little bit. So this is one of the uh, AHNA, American Holistic Nursing Associations, one of their um, journals that they put out. And it was all on oncology and holistic nursing. And that's the hat that I wear is oncology and, and palliative care. So I found this very interesting that they were looking to focus just on our specialty. So some of the studies that done, they did and looked at, these are 2015, that you know, um, in patients who are facing um, end of life decisioning, that effective communication and shared decision making was the most important thing they identified. Um, <clears throat> they also looked at a study of patients and caregivers. In order to improve personalized care, they had to assess both the patient and caregiver needs and wishes, as well as look at their needs for alternative therapies that were under the, what are their priorities in terms of that holistic um, framework. And then it, they also looked at what are the things that nurses can do in educating and supporting. Um, and they aid in, we aid in planning and facilitating meetings that have open discussion involving all family members and caregiver, offering opportunities for the patient and family members to be heard, seen, or understood, and foster open communication and information sharing. This article just talked about what do nurses use holism, and they described this one practice as saying, yeah, we use it to practice nursing. It acknowledges that patients use integrative therapies, um, but we talk about it in an unbiased, non-judgmental way. So are you using any alternative? Tell me about it. And so that you can sort of incorporate that into their plan of care um, and really speak to it, because if you acknowledge them and uh, you, uh, you are, um, valuing them. And specialty nurses can blend holistic practice, and that's what I'm thinking, you know, massage, Reiki, just being centered when you walk in the room. Who takes the time to sit there before you walk in that door to stay, I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm gonna center myself so that I can be there wholly for that patient. This, this is a uh, practice that they uh, highlighted, and they have ongoing support groups, the normal things we all have, nutritional counseling, survivorship rehab, um, to help patients manage fatigue. But in addition, they offered massage therapy, acupuncture, guided imagery, healing touch, supportive, uh, spiritual support, and psychological counseling to make it, again, to mind, body, spirit. 
Some of the articles in the Journal of Holistic Nursing Practice, um, which is, uh, again, more research-focused fo to make our practice more evidence-based, uh, one study in 2009 that they saw acupuncture was really helpful in poorly controlled pain, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, neuropathy, and dry mouth from radiation therapy, xerostomia. Another study in 2012 looked at aromatherapy and essential oils um, that could help reduce anxiety, improve mood or sleep, and their general sense of well-being. Another study in 2009 just really highlighted that the dietary supplements and herbs and natural products, all of those things can be used, but we really need to do it in an integrative way because we don't know the side effects and or the interactions with some of our medications. And there's a lot of websites we have ourselves uh, availed ourselves to a nutritionist who gets on the MD Anderson, and she can really look at what um, uh, herbs that might need to be avoided during their treatment, um, which is very helpful because patients will come in with bags full of things. Um, we found that uh, hypnosis combined with cognitive behavioral therapy was found to help decrease fatigue in breast cancer patients, and we'll talk about some of the work we're going to do with cognitive behavioral therapy because we love it. Um, another study looked at meditation, and again, it's really, we do a lot of mindful, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, and it really shows a decrease in anxiety. Um, it's found to, meditation's found to improve mood and quality of life in women with stage zero to three breast cancers, and these results are persisting over three months. So it's really, you know, something that they can take home and use for themselves. Another study looked at physical activity and it improved emotional well-being, physical functioning, quality of life, fatigue, increased the appetite, and relieved constipation. So lots of different things. There's bio um, energy therapies, biofield energy therapies. So if anybody's done any work with energy medicine, um, that can get really um, very uh, interesting. Uh, the work that's being done in these, we really it's poorly understood. But we know that a lot of these things, a therapeutic touch, Reiki, that massage, those things can really help a person's anxiety level, pain, um, and improve their quality of life. Uh, so we're continuing to look at those things. Uh, one Reiki study demonstrated significant reduction of distress, anxiety, depression, pain, and fatigue with a p-value of 0.001 for all parameters. That was done in 2004, 14. We know that massage therapy can lead to short-term improvements in pain and mood in patients with advanced cancer. And yoga may help to manage treatment-related symptoms, including relief of fatigue, anxiety in patients and breast cancers. And you can see a lot of um, uh, cancer centers are utilizing yoga in their, in their clinics, availing the patients to that. We could all benefit from it. So there's a Society of Integrative Oncology. I give you a website that you can look at other practice guidelines using um, in a, a complementary therapies. They're free guidelines. Some of the research being done at uh, DH right now, um, I'm working with a student uh, investigator from Northeastern, and we're going to do a survey of hospice and palliative care nurses and holistic care nurses, perceptions of spirituality and spiritual care, because I believe that we are... The, um, especially the, those two um, nursing specialties, that's part of their standard of practice. And I believe that the, what we'll see is they have a higher um, degree of comfort around dealing with spiritual issues in our patients. Um, so that's what we're going to do there. 
Another uh, project, my colleague up in the audience, Anna Schall, um, noticed that with her patients in bone marrow biopsies, that there was an LNA in the room that would rub the patient's feet during the procedure. And that patient procedure went better, less need for medication, less anxiety, and patients upon re-biopsy would say, can I have that again? <laughs> so Anna was just mentioning it to me, and I said, well, let's make a study out of it. So we're going to do a three-arm study looking at control. Nobody has any intervention. Somebody has the nurse that does the foot rub and then a, a masseuse, and to see if there's difference. Our hypothesis is we've forgotten how to touch our patients. We've forgotten that that's a really can bring a lot of level of comfort, and um, we just don't seem to have time or we forget. So I think that we're going to find that, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm, my hypothesis is it may not make a difference between the masseuse and the LNA. It's really the process of caring, but we'll see. And then finally, my colleague in the audience here, Savan from the um, Department of Psychiatry, uh, they have gotten a pilot study in the, um, to look at improving sleep in cancer patients. And what we're thinking of is identifying patients who are identifying sleep disturbance, having them do a cognitive behavioral therapy over several weeks to design to decrease the insomnia. And we'll be utilizing cancer patients in that um, so that's, and we've had certainly a, a lot of success with cognitive behavioral therapy with other things in our patients' anxiety, especially. Um, so we look forward to that. Want to mention just a little bit about uh, the holistic nursing um, um, committee here at the hospital. I've been involved since probably 2011, I'm saying. I'll just make it up. I'd like to recognize my committee members. Deborah Hastings is really the leader of the committee and has helped us as an educator to really identify and, and, and provide some really wonderful um, opportunities for nursing learning. Brianne Pinkston, who's an LPN, she's the program coordinator and of massage therapy. She's a masseuse. Uh, now she's with Palliative Care. She was on One West for a long time. Sharon Morgan, who's a retired APRN from Neuroscience. Um, is now a parish nurse. Um, we had another, um, and I think this speaks to that focus on global and community. We had another committee member who also went to parish nursing, and she every year, at least once a year, maybe twice a year, goes down to the Dominican Republic, and um, you know we'll do some uh, nursing down there at the Dominican Republic. So it's really exciting. But these are just some examples of the things that we've done uh, in terms of. Um, thinking about holistic issues, thinking about how we can educate ourselves and improve patient care. There's also uh, the Holistic Nursing Society has an annual meeting. Um, myself and my uh, student are gonna be presenting our findings from the spiritual um, survey at the um, 2018 meeting. Um, there's many ANA endorsed programs, you can get certification um, information, you can just um, become a certified, they, a lot of their work is around health coaching, how do I help the patient make decisions about where they wanna go with their health, so there's a lot of health coaching. Um, there's a regional meeting every year up in the um, main area, Kennebunk Park, through St. Anselm College, which is a two day or one and a half day um, uh, holistic, nursing conference, that's usually, it's very, very good. There's also chapters uh, of the association throughout the uh, state of New Hampshire. 
There's a central um, chapter with just some uh, contact information. There's a White Mountain chapter, and uh, Plymouth State University has a chapter as well. There's certification in holistic nursing. There's a basic uh, holistic nursing. There's baccalaureate board certified. There's advanced holistic board certified. And then there's advanced practice board certified. And this comes from the nursing handbook for practice. When a nurse encounters another, something happens. What occurs is never a neutral event. A pulse taken, words exchanged, a touch, a healing moment. Two persons are never the same. And that's really the tenant of what they believe. And we're running out of time, so I will stop there and see if there's any questions or comments. Do you think you practice holistic nursing? Yeah. You know, I think it touches all of our practices. It's just a matter of embracing that philosophy and, and really thinking about it. And I think the charge is, I think you really need to begin to, and I will as well, begin to reflect on our practice on a more consistent basis and really see how we can um, create more of a healing environment um, for our patients and their caregivers and families. I want to thank you. Yes, Anna. So, Elizabeth, this was so great. Thank you so much for bringing it to our attention and making us think about it again. And I guess I have uh, uh, something I'm thinking about as, as you were going through is I'm wondering what we're doing to help the young nurses to learn some of the nursing theory and to understand that every interaction they have is an important interaction. Um, my understanding is nursing theory isn't even in the education program anymore. And, you know, is there something that we can do as we educate the... I'm thinking a lot about the young nurses, the inpatient nurses who aren't laying hands on patients, who are so focused on the right medicine and the right procedure that some of the real, you know, the real good stuff, those interactions are just not being focused or um, not being celebrated either. I think sometimes taking that time to reflect and that, you know, be authentic. Um, I, I would like to come up with some way of how can we make sure that this isn't lost in our younger nurses coming through yeah. how do we help nurture that? So how do we help nurses that are coming in, especially young nurses at the bedside that might not... Um, know about nursing theory or about holistic nursing and how can we help them in their um, careers. I think by, by educating, number one, I tend to take a lot of um, students um, for practicums and what I will tell them invariably is I can do the medicine part, that's fine, I can do the chemotherapy, I can prescribe medicines, but that's not my, that's not what I do. My job is really to know what the patient, who the patient is, what they need, what their wishes are, and to help articulate them to the team and get them the things that they need in order to make their healthcare decisions. And I think by modeling that behavior is one thing. Um, I, I do, I think it's really hard for nurses. Uh, it, we're so busy and we're so tied to technology. We're so tied to, you know, you have X number of patients you've got to get through the day and you've got, you know, things coming at you that, you know, we're being told how to practice, if you will. And I think we need to take charge of our practice. And one of the ways we can articulate that is through research and really demonstrating what it is that we do um, and try to give what we do, um, uh, you know, some substance, not just the day-to-day -day stuff. And I think that, you know, um, Dr. Coffey, who just uh, took a position at um, Plymouth State College, you know, really try to nurture in young nurses the, the theory, uh, the 
the idea of inquiry and inquiry into practice. And I think if we can model that as the uh, more experienced nurses, when we are, are practicing and in, in, in working with younger people, I think that'll help uh, promulgate it. But I, I, I agree, I think that theory is not tied to practice. And I think theory in and large, it, you know, looking at that integral theory, I'm still trying to understand it. You know, it, so, you know, it's, it, it's heady and it's, it's difficult to understand, it's difficult to apply um, unless you make a real concerted effort. And I think that's what happens, right? So who's the nurse theorist for Dartmouth-Hitchcock? Anybody know? I forget. Henderson? I think it's Henderson. So, you know, but how does that, how does that, so, you know, we should all have a culture of what that theory looks like, right, in our, in our care. Do we do that? No. Um, and, and that should come down all through the levels of nursing, right? It should be that bedside nurse, but it should be guiding our, our values at shared governance, and it should be guiding, you know, all of our activities, our education, so that we have a common culture for nursing. Um, and I think that's, that's the charge. That's the charge for you all who are becoming the next generation of leaders um, to think about that um, and, you know, to engage in that conversation and that, that dialogue. Other thoughts? Susan. Um, so you talked about assessing whether patients are using some of these therapies, and I wondered about your thoughts on documenting that in a medical record because there isn't, as I know, there's really not any assessment piece and sometimes it's hard to know where to put it. Yes. And maybe if we start putting it more as part of their therapy yeah. um, and part of their plan. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts about when you try to document in the record what patients are using. Um, I, I will, so I usually put it somewhere in my plan, and it's, it's because I say, you know, assess that the patient is using a lot of um, alternative herbs or whatever, and have referred them to um, nutrition. And then she will actually describe what they are and how they interact, and she'll actually come back to us and talk about what the interactions are when she's, when she's researched it. Uh, but you're right, there is no real... So I guess I've been approaching it, and I think you have a really good point. Uh, where do we put it in the medical record if patients are on alternative medicines? Because I'm, I'm seeing it as, as an issue that I need addressed, so I get it addressed, but then I don't come back and say, hey, how did we deal with this, and did we tell them to stop it, and are they going to stop it? That sort of thing. Because there are certain things that will interact or cause more toxicity, um, and she'll make certain recommendations, but she will document that. But it's not there for everyone to see. So I think it's a good question. Pharmacy and therapeutics. Committee. Well, I thank you for your attention and uh, really appreciate y'all being here. <laughs>